0: All right, God bless you. Welcome into this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study. Back in our Father's Word today, Genesis chapter 1, we're going to pick it up in verse 26. But before we do that, just a little recap of what we studied in the last lecture. Um, verse 1 and 2 of Genesis covers billions of years. We, realized, we, we studied that all the way back, it covers all the way back to when Satan was a good guy. He was basically the guard, a bodyguard for God's throne, and then decided he should sit on that throne instead of guard it for our father. In his rebellion, in his pride welling up in him deciding that, he not only caused his self to fall, but he took a third of God's children with him. A third of us, some of us, There's we're all God's children, so a third of our brothers and sisters decided they'd rather follow Satan instead of follow God which I can't imagine that, but apparently it happened. and uh, So anyway, God, instead of destroying a third of his children, destroyed that age, that eon of time, and brought into being this age, this flesh age, to where we could decide whether we wanted to love God or follow Satan. And so we pick it up today. God has already created the... Re- re- replenish the earth we've got the trees we've got the land uh, all the animals the fish the birds everything and now as we work into verse 26 god's creating man so with that word of of clarity and understanding as we work through this in jesus name let's pick it up in verse 26 and god said let us make man in our image after our likeness And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all earth, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now this word for man in Hebrew is Adam, and it sounds like our name, Adam. But what it means is mankind. It don't mean, and he created Adam. It means he created mankind. Um in our image after our likeness. So who is this our? A lot of people will say, well, he was talking to the Holy Spirit or he was talking to Christ. Well, we have, Paul breaks it down in 1 Corinthians. We have a spirit. We also have a soul. And we have a flesh. This flesh body, that's what we can see. So, obviously, we're not the Holy Trinity, but we do have a trinity of Uh, beings we have a spirit a soul and a body just like the holy spirit god and christ and if we're walking around town talking to ourselves, people think we're crazy well god's not crazy what was he doing he was still talking to the children talking to all his children let us make man in our image so god is fixing to create man in the image that we were then now don't let that confuse you uh as we studied in in the last lecture God created all souls at the same time, Uh, the souls of the same age. It's just in this flesh age, at what time we came through the womb, is our age in the flesh. No big deal. That's nothing really to, to stress over. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him. Male and female created he, them. Now that word him right there, created he, him, that changes. That goes to Eth Adam, and that is putting an article behind the noun Adam behind mankind, so it makes it this specific man. Now what specific man is created in God's image? Isaiah chapter seven verse 14, "A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Being transliterated or being translated instead of transliterated, it is God with us. So God created Christ, this embodiment of God that we can see right there. And God created he, him. You might say, well, that sounds crazy. This is thousands of years before Christ. Well, in Genesis chapter 14, Melchizedek shows up. Melchizedek, Prince of Salem. If you break that name down, Melchizedek, Melchah is King, Zedek, Zedek or Zadok is Righteousness. So the King of Righteousness, Prince of Salem. Salem means peace. King of Righteousness, Prince of Peace. That's Christ. And then you can go to Hebrews chapter 7, and Paul really breaks down who Melchizedek was and shows you that it was Christ, just in a transfigured type of body, just as they, uh, the disciples saw him, Elijah and Moses, on the Mount of Transfiguration. So it's not a... It, it just... Like I said before, it's not that... Big of a confusing thing, just let it flow. God is God, and He will be where He wants to be, when He wants to be. Um, Male and female created He them. Now, these are the different peoples. This is back to mankind again. 28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. He gave dominion over all the beasts, all the fish. These are your hunters and fishers. And at this point, there's no garden mentioned. Now, all these, this mankind is, but not the garden. And why is that? So verse 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb, bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in the in the in which is the fruit of the tree, yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it is so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God looked at all of mankind that he had created right then, all of Adam. And it was very good. He loved every bit of it. Chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. Now, this word generations means the history. Uh, in in, In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Now we're coming in to the garden. So what this is saying is, in verse 4 and 5, these are the, this, this, what we've read, is the history of the replenishing of the earth. This is how God did it. He did it in six days, rested on the seventh, and then he looked, and there was not a man to till the ground. There was not a farmer. Verse 6. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man. He didn't create this man. He formed this man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Now this word man goes back and puts the article again in front of this Adam. So instead of it being mankind, it is ethcha Adam, which means this specific man, Adam. And this specific man is not Christ, but he is the first in the line of Christ, in the flesh, because from him through Eve, umbilical cord to umbilical cord, all the way down through the generations, would Christ come from their lineage. That's why Eve can be called the mother of all creation, because through her came Christ, and you're not alive unless you're in Christ. So that's where that comes from. It's not because... Through her, all the world was populated. But it's because through her, her seed allows us to live eternally. Uh, Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, in the last one, he told the people, on the sixth day, he told the, the, the people to go out on the earth, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. This one, he put this man in a garden. Now, an interesting thing about these gardens, you've got four gardens basically mentioned in the Word of God. You've got the Garden of Eden, and that's man's fall. That's that's when man fell into sin. There's the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's when Christ was preparing to go to the cross to die for our sin. There's the garden that the sepulcher was in, where Christ was resurrected. And at that, that shows the death of sin, because he overcame sin. He overcame death. And then there's the garden, which is paradise, which is eternity, where when we overcome this flesh, and we raise and overcome death, we will be in that eternity. So when gardens are mentioned, it kind of gets important to pay attention to what's going on there. Excuse me. Uh, Verse 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, the thing about these trees, everybody, if you say, well, who's the tree of life? Everybody will say, well, it's Jesus Christ. If you say, well, what's the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Well, it was an apple tree. What? It don't say that anywhere. Nowhere in this word in this garden is there mentioned an apple tree so if you're going to say the tree of life which is true is jesus christ because that's where we get our bread bread of life that uh ever nourishing substance there then how can we use symbolism for the tree of life but then cut the tree of knowledge good and evil down to just a fruit tree it, it don't work like that so in the hebrew what this is both of these trees uh, or, or the tree of knowledge and good and evil comes from the word etz, and it means a tree. But the primitive root of that, so just like you got, uh, if you in in the English language, disobedience comes from the primitive root of obedience to be obedient. So the primitive root of the tree of life is atzah. And it means to close the eyes or to draw faint. And there's only one other word that has anything to do with either one of those words. And it's it is uh in the Hebrew dictionary of your strongest concordance, it is sixty ninety six, and it means the spine, is atse, and it means the spine or the backbone. So this tree is symbolic, just as the tree of life is symbolic of Christ, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is symbolic of a man of some sort. You have your spine, which is your backbone, the trunk of the tree. You've got the limbs, which are the arms. And then you've got the feet and legs, which would be symbolic of the roots. It's also in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, uh, a gray-headed man is referred to as an almond tree. An almond tree will flourish because an almond tree has white blossoms. So there are many times, Judges chapter 9, trees are referred to or, or people are referred to as trees there are many times in the word of god that people are referred to as trees symbolically it's going to come important here in just a minute that's that's why i went into that so verse 10 and a river went out of eden uh, to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became in four heads the name of the first was Pison. that is it which compasses the the whole land of Hevalah where there is gold. Uh, The gold of the land is good. There is um, Deblium and Onyx stone. The name of the second river is Gihon, and the same is that that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. The name of the third river is Hittikol, that is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth is Euphrates. And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, he wasn't there to hunt or to fish; he was there to dress and to keep the garden. He wasn't there to subdue the whole earth; he was there to to take care of this. Excuse me, take care of this garden. Uh, verse sixteen, and the Lord commanded the man, saying, "Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely." Now in the Hebrew, this is freely. It, it's a. It's a very. Uh, specific thing. It's freely eating you shall eat, which means just have a big time. Eat all the fruits you want to eat. Eat all the vegetables you want to eat. You can you it's it's my garden that I give to you. You are free to eat anything you want to eat. Verse 17 But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now many people will say, well, they foretook of this tree, and they didn't die. Second Peter chapter 3, uh, along about verse 8 and 9, A day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. Adam didn't live a thousand years. So in that day, according to God's time, Adam did die. Uh, verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be, made, uh, should be alone. I will make him a helpmate for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam, um, uh, to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Now this word field is um. sade, and it means country land or pasture land. So what this is, this isn't... All the the deer and the, the beasts of the field that were created. Then this is domestic animals, domestic animals made for farming. So your um, donkeys, your horses, your your oxen to pull the plow and carry on the instead of him having to go down through there and hoe all his field, now he's got something to make a plow with and can pull it. It'd be much easier. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air, which is most likely your chickens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam was not found an helpmate uh, for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Now this word for rib, if you look at a, a uh, skeleton, one of the ones that you have hanging up in the science class or at a doctor's office. Men and women have the same amount of ribs. Now, I know whenever I grew up a lot of people thought that, you know, that's how you that, that that's how you told skeletons different because a man would have one less rib. We have the same amount of ribs. In the Hebrew this word is salah, and it means to curve. When sixteen eleven, when the translators translated this King James Version Bible, They didn't really know much about uh, genetics or DNA or anything like that. They looked at a skeleton and said, well, a rib's curved, so that must be what he's talking about. But if we break this down, let's, let's read verse 22 and then we'll get it. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. In science class, you learn that a man... Has two X chromosomes, where a woman has an XY chromosome, and one X and one Y. Chromosome is curved. So God here is speaking all the way down on this microscopic level. You might say, well, that don't make any sense because this is written thousands of years ago. God created us. God knew what he was doing back then, and we ain't changed. This is the Creator. Given these words, Moses wrote this book, but But God gave these words to Moses to write this. So God took a chromosome from Adam, that X chromosome, so where he could keep him, keep Eve within the same uh, genealogical makeup to have a pure line to Christ, and then added that Y chromosome to make woman. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she is taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. Now that both shall be one flesh, you know, it is good to, uh, in a marriage, definitely. You, you're two individuals trying to make it. And... You know, sometimes if you've got parents that uh try to interfere or anything like that, it can really cause a strain on a marriage. And so it makes sense that these two will go and start their own life. But to become one flesh, when you have children, both of your genes are in that child. So that is the two becoming one flesh. Is that blessing of childbirth. And I don't know of anything that can bring you closer than having children together. It is awesome. It is an awesome experience. And it is definitely a blessing from God. Now, chapter 3 is uh, very interesting. Um, Again, this one, we will be getting into the Hebrew quite a bit to get an understanding from it. And um, so let's just start working our way on through it. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field the Lord God had made. This word uh, serpent is nakash in the Hebrew, and it means a shining one or, uh, or a glistening one. And as we read in Second uh, Corinthians, Satan himself can be transformed into an angel of light, and so it's no wonder that his little minions are also these awesome-looking little, you know, just just look like they're light givers, look like they're just great people. But more important, Ezekiel 28, Satan was full of beauty and wisdom. He was the full package. So this shining one means he was very, he's just great to look at, very just, I guess you could say glowing with beauty. And he's more subtle. He was more wise. He's more crafty. That's what that word subtle means. Is, is just, he's just a little slicker than everybody. Both full package of beauty and wisdom. More than any beast of the field, this, this word beast is, is uh, che in the Hebrew, and it means flesh. He was slicker than any man that God had created. Adam and Eve and all the others. This dude was sharp. And he said unto the woman, yea hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Well, you see the first temptation of Satan right here. And what's he doing? He's quoting scripture. He's quoting what God said. But he's kind of he's kind of messing around with it. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God has said, ye shall not eat it: neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, is that what God said? Let's move on back. We'll go back to verse 16. Chapter 2, verse 16. And Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat it, for in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Well, he didn't say nothing about touching it. So what is this addition of this word touch? This word touch is 50 Sixty five zero six zero in the Hebrew uh, dictionary of a Strong's concordance. You can go online, look up fifty sixty uh, in a Strong's concordance. There are many different places you can do this. You can get apps on your iPhone, look it up. It is Naga, and it is to touch, carnally, as in to lie with a woman. Now that might sound extremely strange, but check it out. I urge you check it out. Verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, straight out lie. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now you remember what we went over, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It comes from the root Otsa, which means to close the eyes, or to faint. Now Satan's promising to open their eyes. He is exactly opposite of what is being said, what is already being called out. He's directly lying. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired, I remember this word tree now, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave unto her husband with her and he did eat. Now before we go any farther, I just want to point something out right here. Christ was tempted in the in the in the wilderness. He was tempted three times. The first temptation, he was hungry. He had fasted for forty days, and Satan came to him and said, "Turn these rocks to bread and eat." He went to his flesh. He he knew his weakness. He knew he was weak because he was hungry, so he drew on that. In this one. He knew that he was scared to die. He drew on that. You're not going to die. In the second one of Christ, he took him up onto the temple, under the pinnacle of the temple, and said, Jump off, and God's angels will catch you. And he quoted scripture. He quoted it wrong, but he quoted it. And, and that was a basically a spiritual comfort. Oh, don't worry about it. You'll jump down, and you're not going to die. You're going to be just fine. He's going to catch you. And that's exactly what he told Eve. You're not going to die, but you're going to be elevated to this other level. You're going to have your eyes opened. Now right there, that's all it took for Eve. There was one more temptation for Christ, and that's that Satan took him up on the hill and showed him everything. He said, I'll give you every bit of this. And we all know Christ told him to get behind him, and that's where he is still today, is behind Christ. So uh, let's move over before we move on from that. <clears throat> Genesis chapter six, uh, Genesis chapter three, verse six. I want to take you to 2 Corinthians 113. And what this is going to cover is kind of what's going to be said, but is going to cover it. The Greek pulls it out a little better. 2 Corinthians 11.3. We've got to remember, Eve just partook of the fruit. Um, I'm going to just pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 11, 2 Corinthians. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. So he's saying, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, just just bear with me on this. For I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin virgin to Christ. So this is Paul talking to the Corinthians and the the, the people at that church. And he's saying, look, I've really prayed over you. I'm jealous over you. I've led you. Um, You know, I, I really, I want you to do good. I don't want you to be misled. I want you to show up and be a virgin bride for Christ, as we all should be. Verse 3. But I fear lest, by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is Christ. This beguiled, in the in the Greek, is the word eighteen eighteen, and it is expatio, and it is wholly seduced, w h o completely completely seduced. So Eve was seduced. By the serpent. A lot of people are thinking a snake at this point. The serpent is not a snake. The serpent is Satan. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. Uh, the That dragon, which is, or the serpent, no, the dragon, which is that old serpent, the devil. <clears throat> uh, back to Genesis. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Well, they didn't put the apron around their mouth like if they would have eaten an apple. Just saying. And they heard the voice of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, this word cool is ruach, in the spirit. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden like like they could hide from God. And the Lord God called upon Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now all other times Adam would seek God out. This time he's hiding from God. And uh, an interesting thing on this word naked is not necessarily naked from clothing. It's nakedness from the covering of God's Spirit. Is is in the Hebrew? That's kind of the the depth of that word. Is that they lost that glory? They, when they sinned, that glory had left them, and they knew that they had sinned and were corrupted, and therefore they didn't want to present themselves to God in a corrupt position. Verse eleven, and He said, "Who told thee that thou wast naked?" who has hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Obviously, God knows what happened. And then man said, the woman whom thou gavest me be, uh, to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. So here we go. The first attempt at the blame game. He's not saying, yes, I did. I, I messed up. She brought it to me. You know, I... I I partook it. No, he's saying, no, 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 no. This woman that you made for me, y'all mess me up. That's kind of what he's doing here. And that's that's not a smart thing to blame God uh, for something that he's done for you. Verse 13, and the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. In the Hebrew, this is nasha. And it is to seduce. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above all beasts of the field, upon thy belly thou shalt go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. This is humiliation. This is a uh point of degradation basically. He's cast down and he's just basically saying you're just gonna get tread on. You're just you're lower than uh than dirt. Is basically what that's meaning. Verse 15. Now, this is the first prophecy in the Word of God. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. Now, you notice, thy seed, the serpent seed, is a small S. Her seed is a capital S. Obviously, that's referring to Christ. It shall bruise thy head, but thou shall bruise his heel. Christ's heel was pierced and bruised. And eventually, at the seventh trump, or after the millennium, actually, Satan's head will be crushed. And to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now this is, uh, is subject to, is, is what that is. Um, but her conception is going to be multiplied. It's kind of interesting here. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till the... Till thou return into the ground, for out of it was thou taken; from dust thou art, and unto dust thou, return, thou shalt return. Now we're gonna stop here for the day. We'll pick it up in verse twenty when we come back. But as I said today, check all this out. Get a go. Go online. Find a Strong's concordance, a Strong's exhaustive concordance. Um Be sure it's a Strong's. Now, there are a lot of uh, concordances. Not all, not all of them are great, but a Strong's is great. A King James Version and a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, and you can translate any word back to the original Hebrew, Chaldean, or Greek. I highly recommend it, because just as we went into Hebrew today and in that one Greek word, you can do that yourself. Check out everything anybody tells you. Again, Jeremiah chapter 5. Verse 17, Cursed be the man that trusts in man. Trust your Father and study His Word. God bless you and y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Undergrace P.O. Box one four six seven. Tatum, Texas, 75691. Thank you, and God bless you.